as we wind down the semester, I've been actually reviewing some of the stuff that we've done and even some of my homilies. And I told this story earlier in the year, and I'm just going to repeat it again because I think it's worth sharing. A while ago, there was a gentleman who was a tightrope walker, and he wanted to walk across a portion of the Grand Canyon. And he built it up, and he contacted all the news stations, and people began to hear about this. And as the date approached, the energy rose, the energy rose, the energy rose. And then the day came, and he had his tightrope across the Grand Canyon. And as people began to show up, he was talking with them, and then eventually the time came, and they began the event. And he said, I'm going to tightrope across the Grand Canyon. Who believes I can do it? And everyone said, we believe, we believe, we believe. And then he just took step by step by step, and he turned around, and he walked all the way back, and the crowd went bananas. And then he said, now I'm going to walk across backwards. Who believes I can do it? And they began to just cheer. We believe, we believe, we believe. And then he took step by step backwards this time. He turned around and he walked all the way back and the crowd went more bananas, right? And then he said, now I'm going to do it blindfolded. Who believes I can do it? And they went crazy. We believe, we believe, we believe. And he did, blindfolded, step by step by step by step. And he turned around and the crowd is like on pins and needles wondering, is he going to fall? Is he going to fall? And he made it back and they roared with applause. And he said, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do this backwards, blindfolded, with somebody on my back. Who believes I can do it? And they all said, we believe, we believe, we believe. And he looked around and he said, who will be my first volunteer? And it didn't seem like anybody believed at that point. We hear in our second reading today that we are called to, first of all, believe in God, which takes a lot of effort. It's not like something that just happens. And then we're called to love one another. I think often for a lot of us, we've been brought up in just to follow Jesus and you'll get to heaven. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know why you'd follow anyone just because. To believe is a gift. Faith is a gift. To understand who Jesus is and what difference he makes that is pure grace. That is pure gift. And I think a lot of us who are beginning to be converted and are turning our hearts over to him, sometimes we need to even just kind of slow down and be like, whoa, how come I'm here and nobody else is? How come I somehow desire goodness and I desire somehow to love other people? Why me? So there should be humility as we approach even what we're doing right now. Instead of just getting pumped up and being like, I believe, I believe, we believe. It's, it's like, whoa. <laughs> Do you really believe he can, he can walk across the Grand Canyon, right? He can bridge that gap. And then when he asks you to do it, will you actually love one another? And the question is, well, why don't we? Why is, as we hear even in our first reading, the Acts of the Apostles, why right now does it feel like the church is not being built up? Why does it feel that way? Or why does it seem that way? Well, I would, I would argue it's because of how incredibly 
cancerous our culture has become. A lot of us, what we need is spiritual chemotherapy. Because depression rates are insanely high, suicide rates are high, alcoholism rates are going up. And we keep telling ourselves that this is, this is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. And even for those of us who have addictions, we tell ourselves it's not a big deal. But the reason why you and I sin is because we're wounded. You'll notice that right now, none of our focused missionaries are here and a few students that actually are with them right now. The reason why they're not here is because they've chosen to go to battle with their wounds before their wounds go to war with them. They've chosen to go to, bat- to, go to battle with their wounds before their wounds go to war with them. What are wounds? Wounds are areas in your life and my life where we have lie-based thinking. The the focused missionaries and a few students, they've gone to a conference which is held all over the country. And this particular past few days, they've been at the St. John Paul II Healing Conference, right? Healing Institute's called Healing the Whole Person. I've been through it. It's phenomenal. I highly encourage you to do the same. But on the second day of that conference, they talk about the seven deadly sins And why that's so important is because when Jesus called us in our gospel today and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, he says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And not like physical fruit, right? He's not talking about bananas and and oranges and pineapple. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Peace. Patience. Endurance. Right? And in order to go deeper, the image that, that they use at this particular conference is the image of a tree, and you see all the bad fruit that you and I produce because we're sick, because we need spiritual chemotherapy, because we haven't gone to war with our wounds yet. Bad fruit of anger, bad fruit of lust, bad fruit of sloth, bad fruit of gluttony, bad fruit of envy. Do you know the words I'm talking about? If you know your philosophy and a little bit of the catechism, these are called the deadly sins. But the problem is, what our world wants to do, it just wants to pull a fruit out. Just get, just get rid of it. Take a pill and get rid of it. But what's feeding that? Well, the branch has the fruit, right? but it's connected to the, to the trunk of the tree. And what does the culture say? Just cut it down. Just cut it down. But what do we not see? The roots. We do not see the roots in those areas where you and I have been hurt. And those, that lie-based thinking took root in our lives. And a lot of that, unfortunately, comes through Little things that most people say, there's no way that that hurts you. For example, were you ever picked last at recess? And the next week, you were picked last at recess? And you began to think, I'm just no good. Or maybe you had a bad haircut and people made fun of you. I've had many of those, by the way. And you you tell yourselves that doesn't hurt, but then you're like, 
a fanatic about your hair. It has to just be perfect. Otherwise, I can't go out. Or maybe mom and dad weren't a mother and father to you. You never had your father say to you and just pull you man to man or man to daughter and just say, I'm proud of you. Or for a girl saying, you're beautiful and you're worth dying for. You're worth waiting for. Because if we are not told that we are, like at least a father figure is, is proud of us, which is where more, most of our wounds come from, we seek affirmation in all sorts of weird ways. If I have enough money, ergo, I'll be happy. If I get the right grades, ergo, I'll be happy. If I have the right clothes, ergo, I'll be happy. And that's all lie-based thinking. That's the woundedness in the roots. And the world just says, just, just, just water the tree. Just water the tree, you know. But the Lord says, let's water the roots. Let's also bring an axe with us. Let's go to war with our wounds. And that's what the focused missionaries and the students are doing. Because, yeah, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And maybe that's why some of us are withering. And maybe that's why some of us, we're aware that, wow, this is why I can actually bear much fruit because I actually am going to war with my wounds. And the, the beautiful thing is that with every single deadly sin, we have pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth. Because of that, the Lord labels it, and he keeps it simple for us. He keeps it simple. So as he goes through with the divine scalpel and pulls out the wound and cuts that root off and heals you at the root, he tells you what the idol is. What is the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. Is Jesus Lord or is he just my therapist, right? Is he in the driver's seat or am I in the driver's seat? I am the Lord your God who saved you from Egypt. What is Egypt? Again, Egypt is that place of slavery where you live all bound up, where you're worried about the opinions of others, where you think that if I have enough money, where all that lie-based thinking just corrupts your soul and your mind and your body, and you're filled with anxiety and tension. Jesus wants to break into that because he is the Lord your God, and he saved you from Egypt. Therefore, you shall have no false idols, false gods. What is the idol of pride? It's myself. What is the idol of the deadly sin of envy? It's status. If I just get the right job or possessions, if I just have the right phone or the right house or whatever, the right car, then I'll be happy. Or even gluttony. If I just eat enough food or drink enough, then I'll be happy, right? Lust. If I'm just impure with myself enough, or if I get enough men or enough women or wherever, wherever I'm at in life, then I'll be happy, right? Or if I just have the right relationship, right? Which the only relationship that can make you and I happy is a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? The only relationship that can make you and I happy is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what will truly make us happy, amen? So when you and I come to go to war with our wounds, we have, to, we have to know that the Lord makes it simple. He tells us what the idol is, and then he has to smash it with his cross. What's the, what's the wound of anger, or the, like the, with anger, how does that work with that, with that particular deadly sin? 
That's control. Who's in the driver's seat? Is it Jesus or is it you? That's a toughie. If I just trust God, why don't I trust? Where is the wound at the roots of my life, right? What about greed? That's a big one. Security, right? I got to be safe. I got to quarantine. I got to protect myself, right? Or wealth. Just, I just need that, that certain amount of money. Or even sloth. That's a big one for us, especially in America. I just got to be comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable, right? That's an idol. And usually, what, where, they're, where they're healing, we're being invited to go get healing at the roots, it begins with forgiveness. That shouldn't be like a total white flag of like, oh my gosh, there's the white flag. That's what I need to do. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, my friends. The first words out of Jesus' mouth in his public ministry are repent and believe in the good news. So if you want to believe and love one another, the first thing you and I have to do is repent, which means we have a metanoia, a complete transformation of mind and heart, and it takes time. I don't have a magic pill. I don't have a magic wand. All I have is prayer. And the thing is, you can't rush your healing. You can't. Spiritual chemotherapy takes time. That's why it took me over six years to become a priest. And I'm still working on it. I even went to this particular conference myself, which is a review of a lot of what I did in seminary, but I'm still looking to be fed. I'm heading out this week to go for training to how to be a spiritual director for three more years. It's a process. It's a journey. And the hard thing is, a lot of us, we are so hard on ourselves because we want instant results. Well, can I just put it in the microwave? Can I just go to fast food? Doesn't work. Because Jesus, as he said last week, I am the good shepherd. Been reviewing that a lot and praying about that a lot. Last week, I gave you guys a challenge to pray, come Holy Spirit, please lead me to one lost sheep or please lead them to me. And that prayer has like been changing my mind as I look and, and try to help people find healing, to, to work and grow in forgiveness so we stop having bad fruit, but we start having good fruit. And some of us, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this particular sheep, but there's a sheep named Shrek. It was like in New Zealand a few years ago. And the particular sheep was gone for like six years and had over 60 pounds of wool on it. And you could only see like a few inches of its legs you, could, you couldn't even see out of its eyes. And it became like a, like a spectacle around New Zealand. And when they shaved all of this stuff off, all of this matted wool, as the sheep was pruned, so to speak, Shrek, the sheep, everyone was around, and you could not amazed at how much weight this little, tiny sheep was carrying. And how ugly... <laughs> Shrek looked without the shears. But how beautiful he was and how people came around to see him be, actually be sheared. And just the weight, the lift, the healing, so to speak, that came. 
And it's not easy to forgive. I'm not going to say it's an easy thing because if you've been abused or if you've been abandoned by a friend or even if you've just done things to other people that you're not proud of and you have to forgive yourself, that's like super hard. I can remember times when I was in confessional, in the confessional, and I had to say, Father, can you give me a blessing? Because I've got to confess a big one. And he did. And just that lift, that weight off my shoulders as the vine grower began to prune me. And he said, you know, this is fine to, do the, to look at the pruning part, but I really want to heal you at the roots. I want to heal you of those childhood wounds that you carry around, that you keep telling yourself it's not a big deal. And as, you know, we encounter this and we go through spiritual chemotherapy, the thing is, you'll be set free. Imagine walking into a room with your abuser. Imagine walking into a room with that teacher who told you something awful that just hurt. Or imagine going to play sports again and not being picked last, or even being picked last, and it doesn't hurt anymore. This is the invitation of Jesus Christ. This is what he's calling us to, and he's calling us to remain in him, but we have to allow his word to come in. I often go back to Isaiah 43, 5, where he says, you are beautiful, you are precious in my eyes, and I love you. I think a lot of us, because the world has given us so much cancer, it's hurt us so much, we don't think we're beautiful. We think that if we allow Jesus, the good shepherd, to come and actually trim off all of those lies, you know, those, to go deeper into the wounds, to go into the, the soil of our lives, to actually till that junk up, he's going to find something repulsive. But I think it'll be a lot like finding, you know, that sheep Shrek once all the weight was off. And you're like, wow, you're actually really good. You're actually better than good. You're actually innocent. And you're holy. And the problem is, for some of us, we can't believe that because of either things we've done or things that have been done to us. And because our struggle with the capital sins and the struggle with our idols. And Jesus is just gently calling us to let him in, to find healing at the roots. And I would encourage, especially the students as you're going through this week, like, when you see a focused missionary this week, cling to them, right? They're fresh. They just came out of this. They, they want to pour into you, and they want to help you find healing at the root because, again, you and I can't give what we don't have, but if you receive healing, if you receive deliverance, you're able to do that for others. We hear in Luke chapter 4, Jesus has come to set captives free, and some of us are so bound up, we're so soul-sick, and he just wants to come in and help us. And no one knows Jesus better than his mother. It is the month of May. And we honor Mother Mary. And one of our titles that Pope Francis has a huge devotion to is Mary, Undoer of Knots. These are areas where the wool has been knatted, so to speak, in our soul. These are areas where we have just deep wounds in the roots of our soul, in our life. These are the areas where we've tied a knot and the devil's like, I want you trapped forever. And the one thing it's going to help you do is love one another and believe more and repent more freely. 
because it's an invitation to joy. And then instead of judging other people, you're going to see how sick you are or you were. And then you're going to want to set them free too. And usually the more you and I get to know someone, the less judgmental we are. But we must start with our relationship with Jesus and ask Mary to help us. Mary, give me the courage to believe. And you got to think about her life, right? An angel coming to her. She's so young. And she says, how can this be? She asks questions to come to knowledge and faith. And she acknowledges the Trinity. If you go through the Annunciation, she acknowledges Father. She acknowledges Son. And then she's filled with the Holy Spirit, or overshadowed by the Holy Spirit so she can go serve. It's a great model for you and I to find healing at the roots. And so we can ask Jesus to come prune us. We can ask Jesus to go help us go into the roots of our life and find healing. Because as we head into Mother's Day next week, Sunday, you're going to hear me preach this. I preach it every single Mother's Day. Women are smarter than men. One laugher, but it's true. Women are smarter than men. And I'm going, to, I'm going to prove to you why that's true. After every single covenant that God the, God the Father made with his people, made with men, they screwed it up, right? Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. But it wasn't until God came to Mary, a woman, the new Eve, that the Savior came and we have an everlasting covenant with Jesus in his cross and in his body and blood, right? So if you want to argue that men are smarter than women, good luck. <laughs> but Mary, as one of my priest friends says, she wears boots. She's not afraid to help you be healed. She's not afraid to undo the knots. She's not afraid to bring you to her son so he can shear all of that dead weight where you believe that you're ugly. All, those de all that dead weight where you feel like it's never going to get any better. All that dead weight where you firmly believe, I could never forgive so-and-so. What do you think she was doing at the foot of the cross? She was partaking in the forgiveness of her son. And I firmly believe that she wants to help us. So what I'd like to do is just close in a brief prayer. And just to ask Mother Mary to come in and help us to go to war with our wounds before our wounds go to war with us. And some of you are like in the war. I know you. <laughs> and Mother Mary is our advocate, right? She is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And she probably knows a thing or two about a thing or two to not run from our wounds when she saw her son brutally whipped in scourge who looked like a worm. He was so repulsive, right? That people thought he was a ghost after he resurrected. And where was she at Pentecost where the new life was poured into the church? She was found in the upper room with the disciples because they knew that they needed her. They knew they needed to learn how to believe that Jesus could help them bear good fruit when they felt broken as all get out because some of them denied Jesus. 
Some of them had foot and mouth disease. They would say stupid things. Not that anybody here does that, right? And she probably just gently allow you to remind you how, how beautiful you are, how precious you are as an eyes of the Father, and that he loves you, that you are good, and you're holy, and you're innocent. And that with Christ Jesus, you can forgive. And you'll be able to overcome your deadly sins. And then she's going to say, now let's go get more for my son. So let us offer a prayer. Ask for Mary Undoer Knotts to pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother Mary, under the title of Undoer, Our Lady Undoer of Knots, please pray for us in a special way. Help us believe as you believed and continue to believe. Help us love one another and help us bear much fruit. Please reveal the knots. Please reveal the brokenness in our roots. Please help us trust your son to know that with Jesus, all things are possible. And may your spouse, the Holy Spirit, overshadow us. And Jesus, we ask you to seal us in your forgiveness and to heal our wounds. Please help us to not be afraid to go to war with our wounds before they go to war with us. Help us remain in Jesus and his words remain in us so that we may bear much fruit and become his disciples. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.